0: You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Matthew chapter 9 is where we're going to take a text this morning, and um, we'll jump into it at verse 36. Matter of fact, I'm going to read verse 35 and read down through the following verses. Matthew chapter 5, and let's jump into it at verse 35 and read down through the following verses. It says, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among them. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherds. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. And that's my prayer this morning, that as a church and as a body that we pray and that we seek the Lord. Because the harvest is so great is not one area, one city, one nation. The harvest is the world. And every God-called preacher is called to take the kingdom to the world. I know uh, oftentimes we can back up and think, well, uh, this church or that church is called. I'm not called. Listen, let me, tell you, let me encourage you this morning. With everything within us, we are called to touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't put stipulations on that. That means you and I have a part to play in what God is doing in this hour. And I want to minister this morning, just a few moments, a message simply entitled, It's Harvest Time. It's Harvest Time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray right now for your help, for your anointing. I cannot preach this message without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you move upon the people as well. And Lord, that all of us are anointed to hear what you're saying to the church. And Father, we give you the glory and the praise. And we ask it all this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. There was another passage where Jesus made a statement to his disciples, and he said, say not that there are four months, and then comes harvest. And he told them, in essence, he said, the time is now. In other words, we we don't need to wait any longer to go gather this harvest, but we need to move now. Now, obviously, we need to pray. We need to have the mind of the Lord. We don't just aimlessly go out and do things. But we want the anointing to accompany us. But the Bible told us that the spirit of God is with us. That the anointing of God will rest upon the individual who is called. And as I read this text this morning, I look at the words in verse 35 and it says what we all should be about. That Jesus went about the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel, there is specific here. He explained the truth. That's what preachers should do. He proclaimed the truth. That's what preachers should do. But it wasn't just because there's a lot of things that we say is truth, but it's not truth. And I know, you know, we we have a, this, uh, I believe it's, it's ecumenical. It's just a big word that means that everybody is the same. That every church preaches the same thing, that every doesn't matter where you go, it doesn't matter what you hear. Let me say this, only truth will change you. Truth that is anointed by the Spirit. If it is not truth according to the Word of God, then there's no power. In other words, the Holy Spirit is not going to anoint error. We have to know that, we have to understand that. He's not going to anoint false doctrine, but what he does, he anoints truth. And that truth, when it gets down into the heart of an individual and made real by the Holy Spirit, that person's life is changed by the power of God. I've experienced that change. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? You were bound, but God changed you. You were headed down a road of destruction, but you heard the truth. And God supernaturally changed your life. That's what the gospel is. So let's look at this for just a few moments this morning as we take a little liberty to uh, talk about this, explaining the truth, uh, teaching in their synagogues. But I love the word; it's word. It says he went about all the cities and villages. Right. And he didn't leave anybody out. Right. This, you know, there, there's certain uh, places you go and people. I, I've talked to people and. Uh, even done some research, to be honest, and I won't call names, but I've seen world-renowned preachers who will not go to certain places because the offering is not enough uh, or because they don't feel as though they can get enough uh, in their pocket, so it says there's no use in going there. And when Jesus, the Bible tells us here that he went everywhere, Because wherever he went, he saw souls. He saw people who were in need of salvation. And that's something that really has burdened my heart recently here is just souls. God has really been dealing with me about souls and and seeing things the way he sees them. Seeing people the way he sees them. And you got to make sure you understand and be careful this morning because the Bible says all souls are mine. So when when you say that all man is created in the image of God. Now, I'm going to say something here, and I know a lot of people kind of get a little uneasy, but let me tell you something. That drug addict, that, that whoever it is out there in the world, that homosexual, all of them were made in the image of God. So when you see them, you need to see them the way God sees them. Yes, they're on their way to destruction if they don't accept Jesus Christ, but we hold the answer through the truth of the word. I'm not preaching a gospel that says, hey, it's okay, remain the way you are. Let me say this, you can't stay the same when Jesus touches you. It's mechanically impossible For you to remain, Paul addressed it in Romans chapter 6. He said, may such a thing never be. He said, it's impossible for you to be in Christ and not change. He says, it's impossible because when you're in Christ, you were made dead to sin. It's impossible to habitually live in sin. First John chapter 3 tells us that. He said, the seed of God is in you. You cannot practice sin. So, it's no such thing as I'm saved, but I haven't changed. Let's be clear on that. You know, there's, I was watching a a documentary or something recently, and it was this large church, and it was saying, well, we got couples here, we got gay couples, and we got everybody, everybody goes to our church. And I thought to myself, I said, well, because people have asked me, well, would you let gay people come to your church? Uh, sure. I mean, why wouldn't we? Everybody ought to be welcome to the church. So the question is not whether you can come, but can you stand the heat of the conviction of the Holy Ghost when you get there? The old saints used to sing a song, you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. I mean, you'll come in that way, but when the gospel gets, a- and if they keep coming, praise the Lord at some point, the gospel is going to take root in them and and they're going to realize, hey, what I'm doing is ungodly and I need to be changed. What I'm saying to you right now, saints of God, that it's not fighting against each other time. It's not time to belittle one another. It's not time to be disrespectful towards one another. But it's time that the church gathers in the harvest. And so what happens is we get so sidetracked by money and by fame and by a brand or building a brand or I want to be this or I want to be that and people are using the pulpit to, uh, to elevate themselves or to build our brand. Uh, you know, I'm not in this so Nash can look good. And we just, we just got to, it's just got to stop. It's just got to stop. It's just time that we follow the, and now look at this. Think about it for just a moment, who we're talking about. We're talking about the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He's going into cities and villages. He wasn't expecting anything in return. But the Bible says he went in there to preach the gospel, and when he went in there, he was explaining to them what the kingdom of God is all about you got to take a moment to think about this. The time in which he was living was a very dark time in Israel. You had the religious leaders of that day proclaiming something that was not, being, that was not beneficial to the people. They had added so many laws to God's law. You realize that it was so bad that you couldn't even drag a chair across the floor. If you did and it kicked up dust, that would be considered plowing on the Sabbath day. Now think about that for just a moment. They had become so technical that a woman was bound for 18 years. 18 years. The Bible says she was humped over. She was bowed together. Can you imagine walking around like this for 18 years? But look at where she was going every week. She was bound in church. In church for 18 years and she was still bound because their system was not working. When is the church going to wake up and realize that these systems that we are putting in place are not working? It doesn't work. It doesn't produce results. You may get numbers, but the numbers haven't changed. I'd rather have a church with 25 folk on fire for God than have 10,000 people practicing sin. Right. Oh, I, oh, the offerings are good. The t- Listen, when God calls you, He'll provide the money. That's right. That's it. He'll provide the people. He'll provide. But see, what's amazing is their system was broken. And here Jesus walks into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. This woman's walking around like this for 18 years. Jesus is literally sitting there preaching, and she walks in, and he says, woman, thou art loosed from your infirmity. And after 18 years of bondage, she stands straight up, and the people begin to rejoice. But the leadership got angry. Do you see how bad that is? And they said, you, you're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. First of all, do you realize how crazy you got to be to correct Jesus? It's just sometimes you just don't cross, man. They could never trap him, and yet they kept trying. And secondly, they upheld their laws above the word of God. And the person who was sitting in their synagogue Sunday or Saturday was the living word of God. And it's and I'm just giving you examples scripturally. Every time he did something, they found a way to say something negative, but they could not deny the results. People are getting saved, people are getting delivered, people are getting healed. The dead is being raised. I mean, you guys got his, the Bible says his fame spread, but he wasn't trying to become famous. He said, listen, I just came to do the will of my father. He said that when he was 12 years old, he said, wish ye not that I came to do the will of my father. Young people, think about that. 12 years old. He said, I just came to do the will of my father. I don't want to get caught up in anything else. I want to do the will of my father. And then the Bible tells us in St. John 1930, he did the will of his father. And the last words were, it is finished. That's right. He completed the work that he came to do. The kingdom of God. Let me. I don't want to chase any rabbits here. The kingdom. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's right. I'm talking about the kingdom right now. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones made a statement. He said, there are no citizens in God's kingdom who are not poor in spirit. Every one of us who are saved are poor in spirit. We are morally and spiritually bankrupt and have nothing within and of ourselves to offer God. And he says, when you realize that's who you are, then he goes on and says, blessed are they who mourn. If I know I'm poor in spirit, there is a mourning, not a M-O-R-N-I-N-G, but a mourning, a deep-seated feeling of, of knowing that I need better, I need more. And it causes us to cry out to God. You won't cry out to God if you don't realize you're bankrupt. That's the kingdom. And he starts to explain to us what people in the kingdom are like. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He's talking about the kingdom. Jesus preached the kingdom. John the Baptist said, repent for the what? Kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus came and said, repent for the kingdom. The kingdom came to the earth and it was headed up by their king, Jesus Christ. And he wants kingdom rule in our hearts and lives. There is a spiritual kingdom that you and I can embrace now in our hearts. And then there is actually a literal physical kingdom that we will take part in in the future. The kingdom age. But I, I, we're not talk, teaching on that right now. But I just want to really go through this because it's so important. He was teaching. He was explaining the kingdom. And then the Bible says... He explained it, he explained what it was, then he proclaimed it. When you see Brother Steve and Brother Brian and these brothers and all of you, when you see them preaching and hopping across the stage, and skipping, and being very firm, they're proclaiming truth. But when you proclaim truth, if it's really if you've really been explaining and teaching, you're proclaiming a truth that has already been explained to people. When I come here to preach, I tell people at home all the time, I told my brother that I got a free fall, man. He says, What do you mean? I said, when I go there to preach. I, I take a text, man, and just preach for 15, 20 minutes sometimes because the truth has already been explained. You know what I'm talking about. When you can actually proclaim a truth, it makes t- preaching a whole lot easier. You're not breaking down all kind of barriers of false doctrine and all of this to try to get a truth in. But you're, you're proclaiming something that the people are already embracing. Why do you think you shout when somebody just simply says, thank God for the blood? Folk would get crazy. Why are you so crazy? Why are you shouting like that over the blood? Because you've been hearing it for years how the blood of Jesus made you right. It sanctified you. It justified you. It declared you legally righteous before God. I've got a legal standing in the kingdom of God. To God, I have no past. To God, I'm in Christ Jesus, seated in heavenly places. To God, I'm holy. I'm righteous. To God, the power of sin has been broken. I've been set free And now I can live holy, being empowered by the Holy Ghost, all because of the blood. So when we simply say, thank God for the blood, it resonates with my heart. Preacher, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Man, you can't talk about the blood to sanctify folks. It's it's just impossible. I was a little boy, and I I grew up in the holiness church, and man, you mess around and start singing about the blood. Those old mothers get to rocking and moving and shouting and running. And I was like, why are they so excited? But now I know what they're shouting about because I've been washed in the blood too. He was proclaiming the truth. He broke it down. He explained it. When you're explaining truth, you got to deal with You got to deal with things. And Jesus had to deal with the current system that was in place. That's why he said things like, beware of the leaven of the scribes and Pharisees. That's why he said things like, think not that I come to destroy the law and the prophets, but I came to fulfill. He was explaining truth, then he proclaimed it. And then here's another part of the gospel. He healed every sickness and every disease among the people. I hear preachers all the time say, man, I got, a guy told me, he said, I got a healing ministry. I said, okay. Because people want to impress you with things. I said, but you're a preacher. Yeah, but God called me into healing ministry. I said, God may give you the gift of healing, but if you are a preacher, then you preach the entire council. You don't get to choose when you're a preacher. Paul told Timothy, preach the word. The word is this book, this 66 councils that we study and that we read, the canon of scripture. And it is truth. It is bathed with power and in truth from Genesis to Revelation. Or as one guy used to know, he said, from Genesis to maps. Y'all young folk probably, y'all got your phones on your, your, your Bible on your phone. Us old folk, y'all know back of the. All of it is about Jesus. Every ounce of it, from Genesis to Revelation, it points us in some way to Christ and what he would do at Calvary for all of us. Then the Bible tells us, let me hurry here. He says, he went about teaching, preaching, healing, every manner of sickness. In other words, disease, sickness. It didn't matter what the people had. He healed them all. Jesus would go into a city. And heal everybody. Now I just want to stop right there for a minute. (laughs) Because sometimes that blows my mind. Can you imagine Jesus coming to Portia, Arkansas and everybody who's here gets healed? That's what actually took place when Jesus was here. He was so powerful. The Bible tells us that there was a woman who fought through a crowd. He didn't even lay hands on her. She just touched the hem of his garment and she was instantly healed. That's who Jesus is. And he went about into every city healing folk. And they knew he could heal. It, it, they were blind and had never seen. It was so amazing how he would heal people because there were people who could not walk, who had never walked. Do you realize that a person who is uh, in a wheelchair or cannot walk, they lose all of the muscle in their legs. And they can, even if they could walk, it would take them time to build those muscles. I had a surgery in 2017. I've had four on my right knee. And, I mean, they keep cutting me. I'm tired of them cutting me. But the, the last two I had were called, one was called a microfracture, and the other one was called the OATS procedure. I don't have time to go into all of that. They were taking cartilage from everywhere, trying to patch up my knee, basically. And after the surgery, I had to do what's called a non-weight bearing for eight weeks. Basically, you're on crutches and you can't put any weight on the leg, so you gotta just go around. For, hey, where my drummer in? The crutch guy. Oh, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> you're healed. I see. <laughs> Praise God. Eight weeks, man. You just. But here's what's amazing. That went on for eight to ten weeks, and they told you could, no weight, no weight, no weight. So two months. It was hot, and then I got an infection. And I had to go back three weeks later, and they reopened all the scars. Have you ever had surgery and they have to reopen scars? I mean, let me tell you something. That's excruciating pain. Grown, I cried like a baby. I'll be honest with you. I'm just going to tell you. They tell me I woke up, I was calling for Mario. Seriously. I said, bring Mario in here. You know? I'm try- I want to bring this point out, but when I got off of the crutches, I couldn't walk. This was just eight weeks. Now, listen, I love training. I love lifting weights and all of that. I lost all of my muscle in my right leg. My right leg looked like a pencil, and I couldn't walk. Eight weeks, and it took uh, probably four or five months just to get back my mobility to be able to walk. Now, think about that. You're talking about a six-month process. Jesus would go in and heal somebody that had never walked for over 30 years, so there was no muscle. And when he would say, rise up and walk, they didn't have to go through rehabilitation. They didn't have to go through therapy. They just got up instantly. The muscle came back, and they started walking. That's the kind of God that you serve. That's Jesus. And he healed people like this all the time. He had a reputation for healing. He would walk into a city, and it was a person in the middle of a funeral. You know you got to act a certain way at a funeral. Jesus wouldn't act right wherever he went. Listen, he did everything against the grain. If they said this is the way it's done, Jesus would say, okay, I'll do it this way then. He went to a funeral. They were carrying the casket. He walked over to the casket, knocked on it. The dead body got out. Come on, you can't make this stuff up. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Jairus' daughter had died. Jesus went to the house. Bible says the folk were in their mourning. They were paid to do it. And he went in and put all the people out. And they started laughing like, what is he doing? When he walked out of the room, the girl was with him. She was alive. That's Jesus. And he went into every city doing this. Then the Bible says, and I'm I'm emphasizing that for a reason. Out of all the people he healed, out of all the people he touched, out of all the people that were delivered, the Bible says, and I won't finish this, verse 36, but that conjunction is strong there, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Out of all the people he healed, there were still millions left that needed healing. Let me let me make a statement to you. They're estimated to be, I believe, seven billion people on planet Earth. In the United States of America, it's about 350 million, I believe, somewhere in there. 350 million. If everybody in the United States got saved today, we would still have to say, but there's so many more. I want to just try to put this in perspective this morning and just have, when we're talking about the gospel the gospel is universal it's not an American gospel a black gospel white. no it's the gospel and the, because it's the gospel it works everywhere oh I love that because the, what I love about the gospel that's why I don't get into organizations y'all forgive me and just go with me for a minute this morning I don't join. I get folks inbox me. Man, you would be a strong advocate for Black Lives Matter. or you would be good in the NAACP because you're a black preacher with a voice. And they want you. I said, listen, I'm in an organization already. The body of Christ. See, I, listen, I applaud people who want to help. I'm all for that, and I'm into that. Don't get me wrong. Building communities, people who are less fortunate. Yeah, I applaud it, and I want. But when it comes to the gospel, nobody gets left out. When it comes to the gospel, it doesn't just reach a certain demographic. You can go to a prison and people get saved. That's why you got to be careful what you preach. Because if it doesn't work everywhere, then don't preach it anywhere. It works. It works in Japan. It works in China. It works in Canada. It works in America. It works in Africa. It works and it gets results because it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He saw the multitude. Here's his response. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. multitudes is a large crowd of people the Greek text actually says carries the idea of a confused crowd think about that they were just aimlessly walking around they were scattered abroad sheep having no shepherd they fainted they were hopeless they were living in sin saints they were living in perversion. Let's tell it like it is. They were living ungodly. They were worshiping false gods. They were just worshiping, uh, I mean, all things you can think about. They were involved in it. They were involved in homosexuality to the worst degree. If you don't believe that, read the book of First and Second Corinthians. You talk about perverse. Corinth was perverse. Corinth was where you went if you wanted to have a nightlife. And Paul, following the pattern of Jesus, went to Corinth. And he said, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech or wisdom of words. But I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said, I'm going to preach the cross. That's it. And that's all. I'm not going to preach anything else. I'm not going to preach philosophy. I'm not going to preach psychology. I'm not going to preach the wisdom of men. I'm not going to preach the wisdom of anything else. I'm going to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified because that's where the power of God is. And that's the message that will bring the harvest. That's what Paul preached. And Jesus saw the multitudes and he saw every manner of evil and wickedness that they were living in. If you read Romans chapter 1, Paul goes through a list of the perversion that was in the Gentile world. Men with men working that which is unseemly. It was graphic. It was horrid. You can't even honestly go into it in a public setting, really, to be honest with you. But you just got to just think about it. It was horrid how ugly and heinous the sins were. But... Jesus was moved with compassion. Let me ask you a question and don't answer. When you turn on your TV and you see these people on these drunken binges and they're screaming, I've heard them scream perverse things about Jesus. Some of the most heinous things you can say about our Lord and Savior. I mean heinous. You see right now, even if we, let's just be specific to our country, but this stuff is going on all over the world because sin is universal just like the gospel is. Right, we just happen to see it in our backyard, saints, but people in the UK and people, I have friends in these and other countries who have been, imbo- Brother Torrance, it's bad, man. Abortion is not just a U.S. thing. It's going on everywhere. Right. Homosexuality is going on everywhere. But the gospel, so if this is universal and sin is universal, then shouldn't we take the gospel beyond the four walls of the church? Outside of our own city, outside of our own state, country, we should take the gospel to the world. And here's the thing. When you see these individuals, you see these rallies. uh, Saint, you want to see something? This is not funny. You want to see something perverse? It's hard to watch a gay pride parade longer than 30 seconds. Because they'll bring our children to these things. They turn our children. Let me tell you something. You got, it's, it, it's wicked and evil to, to turn babies over to sexual perversion at three and four years old. The current administration, I don't make bones about preaching on things and because it must be preached. The, the policy is pushed. Well, brother, don't be political. I'm being moral right now. I'm being biblical right now. Vile and perverse and wicked. and I mean, the most heinous things you see are being pushed right now. Not just supported, but pushed. Eight-year-olds being encouraged to be transgender. Eight-year-old babies that don't even understand their body. Celebrities. I talked to a, a young black man the other day, and I, we talked about, we were talking about racism, and I said, man, it exists. It's hard. It's sick what we see and, and some of the, 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 all of the vile and, and the hateful things that I have seen and personally have gone through. Let me be honest with you. Just an honest testimony of I've been called racial slurs and I had a person sit in the face and use a racial slur. This, I've gone through it. It's wickedness in our world, saints. Wickedness in our world. And I was telling that young man, I said, you want to talk about racism? I said, we can talk about it. I said, but we can't leave out this. This, I won't call her name, this actress. She's a white woman. And she's raising two black boys, boys to be women. I said, that's racism too. I said, we don't want to talk about it. I said, but our men are being uh, emasculated. We talk about we don't have men because they're being turned out as little boys and pushed to a system and a school system that tells them, hey, go out and live it up and do what you want to do. Do you see the harvest? Do you see? But see, what I want and what I desire us as a church and the body of Christ to do is go beyond what we see. And let's not just have conversations and sermons. We can proclaim all day, you're homosexual, you're going to hell. You're drunkard, you're going to hell. Let me tell you something. When are we going to get to the solution? When are we going to get to the solution to the problem? Let me tell you something. Republicans can't fix it. They've tried. Democrats can't fix it. they failed. Independents can't fix it. But Christians who are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, we have the answer. You won't solve it in the next election. But if we'll get on our face and we'll preach the gospel and we'll tell the lost that Jesus saves, that will be the solution to the problem. What do you see when you see these parades? What do you see? I've named all of this stuff, but what do you see when you see racism? What do you see when you see the vile and the filth? Do we label them? Oh, those are just liberals. Those are just, to God, their souls. And I want to ask you a question that's challenging. Are we moved with compassion or are we moved with hate when we see these people? What are we moved with? Jesus saw them and the Bible says he, the word compassion means it affected his innermost being. You mean he loved souls that much? Yeah, he loved souls so much that a murderer and a thief was hanging on the cross beside him, who had lived a life of nothing but debauchery and vow. And Jesus said, today I'm going to see you in paradise. Right. All you had to do was say yes to me. Yes. And the past is erased. Saints, the gospel of the kingdom will get the results that we need if we will proclaim it. It's harvest time. Would you stand to your feet all over the house of God, musicians, singers, you can come. It's harvest time. Do you see the multitudes? Are you moved with compassion on them? Do you see the 30 million alcoholics in our country? Do you see the young people who are addicted to pornography? I was talking to a friend of mine who's a Native American. He lives in Canada. And their community is called the First Nations People. They lead the world in suicide. Think about that for just a moment. He called me last year, and he was headed down south of Ontario to do a funeral for a nine-year-old baby that had committed suicide. A nine-year-old child that hung himself. They've died as young as 8, 9 years old, 11 years old. They hang themselves, take their own lives. Saints, the multitudes are crying out. Right. That Macedonian call, come over and help us. People in Africa are saying, come over and help us. People right in our backyard are saying, come over and help us. Young people in your school are saying, can you help me? Let me tell you something. Anybody who's living in perversion, uh, homosexuality, the statistics don't lie. Do you realize how high the rate of HIV is and how high these people inwardly are miserable? They want to put on a facade like they're happy, but sin can never produce happiness. It will never produce joy. That can come from the Holy Spirit when a person is regenerated by the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you see the multitudes? And are you moved with compassion? It's harvest time, saints of God. Pray. And that's what this altar call is. As I close this message, pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up laborers. Let me tell you something I'm so grateful for this man, for this man for this man, for this man, man, because we need laborers if we can ever get past these barriers that the world has, God can bring together blacks and whites, can't he do it? And stand together, and there's no facade here, this is not just a public persona to say well they do that publicly, no we can embrace each other as brothers And we can stand for one cause, and that is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the cause that I'm a part of. If you want to call me a sellout, I'm fine with it. I sold out to Jesus because he brought me out of drugs. He brought me out of poverty. Brought me out to change me, to deliver me, and for me to preach this gospel of the kingdom to the lost. That's what drives me. That's what pushes me when I see souls. When I see them falling apart, my heart is broken because I want to see God change them and move upon their lives. If you're here today and God has given you a burden for souls, I'm going to ask you to come around this altar and let's just join together, saints, if you don't mind, as they sing, and let's pray that God would raise up preachers all over the world, missionaries all over the world to bring in this harvest of souls that are dying in their sin right now and need a Savior. If you would, let's come this morning and let's pray around this altar. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook, at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you, and God bless you and your family.